Good morning and welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, where I interview the coffee professionals of the West Coast and try to help us get all a little bit coffee smarter in the process. I do that by asking coffee experts coffee questions. Experts like Siri Simran Kulsa, the executive director of coffee at the always-growing Lofty Coffee Company based in Encinitas, California. Today on the show, Siri and I talk a little bit about coffee reviews, and then about starting a career in coffee, like how do you get from the beginning to a head roaster position. Even if you aren't looking for a career change in the coffee industry, you'll learn a little bit more about what it takes and what Siri's day-to-day is like, which may make you appreciate the cup you're drinking right now. After our chat, I'll go a little bit more into the coffee review process, and if you head to roastwestcoast.com, you'll see the scoring guides and best practice protocols issued by the Specialty Coffee Association, or SEA for short, and then I'll introduce you to Katie Hendricks of Aspen Street Coffee, aptly named for its location on Aspen Street in Fruita, Colorado, who I met on my recent drive across the country. Before we get to all that, take a moment to follow at Lofty Coffee Co. and at Roast West Coast on Instagram, and then share this episode. That's slow growth, organic, word of mouth, is why the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast will be around for the long haul. And if you've been listening and enjoying, consider a paid subscription to RoastWestCoast.com. You'll help support the creation of this show. It goes a long way towards keeping the lights on in the closet studio. A recent subscription from Kathy Rogers, thank you Kathy, went right into some new acoustic panels, which will hopefully improve the sound quality of the show. Although I'm not sure I can do anything about the trains that pass by occasionally. This morning, I'm drinking a coffee I picked up from Lofty Coffee Cafe in Carlsbad, California, and I hope that you have a full mug too, because it's time to get coffee smarter on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Siri is back on the show. Welcome to Roast West Coast again, Siri. Thank you for being here as always. It's just, uh, it makes my day when I know that we get to talk because I never really quite know where our conversation is going to go. Hi, I'm so happy to be here too. And I totally agree. I feel like um, you always have these great insights on like things that I guess like to be or just like normal. And then you're like, wait, like even like our last our last meeting and our last episode, the the crossover of photography and coffee roasting. I just think that that kind <laughs> of like like amazing connections. I I love that, those things in life, but then also in coffee and other things. So, if you're listening, what you don't know is I ask I call Siri just to ask her to say nice things about me too, and she usually <laughs> refuses. But only if we're on the record, then she will. <laughs> Today, I want to ask you about something that I have mixed feelings about, which is rating coffees. Um, I see a lot of ratings like this is a 92 point coffee. This is a 95 point coffee from Coffee Review. And I'm wondering if you can give us some clarification on what does that mean when there's a rating on the coffee and do does that does that have a lot of weight to it or value to it? Um, I'm not trying to 
to take away from anyone, but I'm thinking as we live in this world where we're constantly reviewing and rating things, uh, Yelp has obviously gone like crazy town. Uh, but ratings matter. You know, I think I look at ratings when I'm buying something on Amazon or when I'm REI or wherever, what does that kind of mean for coffee and what kind of, uh, value should we associate with it? So like you said, at the top of the episode, you never know where this conversation is going to go. I'm going to answer your question, but then I'm going to take it somewhere else. (laughs) Um, so, um, and the reason for that is at least with my experience, um, as a roaster, at Lofty, we have never pursued these types of reviews and ratings. For those of you out there who do, correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I'm speaking now from uh, not a lot of experience in that area. But from my understanding, those types of awards and ratings and why I find them a little bit problematic uh, is essentially you're paying for a good review is my understanding of it is that you you submit and apply but there's a fee and i'm sure that the people reviewing it are are giving it their honest review um but you know you're submitting a coffee to get a high review so you can brand it and market it as this coffee reviewed coffee and people will buy it for maybe a higher price because of that so in my understanding it's a little bit more of like a marketing tool than potentially a true, honest cupping rating. And that's where I come in to say I'm going to be it because there's, um, you know, I use the SCA scoring system on a daily basis, but it's very, I, to my understanding, it's going to be a bit different than how maybe the coffee review or golden bean or somebody else might be using it. So um, were you going to say something? I was only going to say that, so I, I know a little bit about reviewing from the beer industry. And the one thing that I would, I would ask about what you just said is sometimes coffees get bad reviews too. And those That's do true. Get, they, they get, yeah. they get published. So you kind of send in, you, it's, there is a risk there that you send in a coffee and you pay the fee to get it reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe it doesn't get a 92, maybe it gets a 75 or it gets a yeah. 80 or whatever. Yeah. And I think I don't see those as often because if that happens, people are generally not promoting that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there's some risk there. So it might, there might be a little bit of where you're sending it and where that review is coming from. I think you actually make a really good point. And again, my lack of experience and knowledge of, of being in the reviewing pool, I think lends to that. But um, I, I agree that, yeah, if, you, if you're getting, I guess my thought on it is that I never see a low rating from coffee review, <laughs> but maybe you're right. Maybe I never see that because no one's going to put that out. They're like, yeah, okay, we tried. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find out before this show airs, I'm going to find out if there's like a publication where they put all of those out there. Or if it is like a part of your fee is that we don't say anything like we just won't tell anyone if we if we don't yeah. Like yeah so i i i would say that that my my comments right there were maybe a little skewed because of exactly that where i'm like okay everyone gets a 92 everyone gets a 97 like because you know <laughs> uh hopefully i think if you're sending your coffee in uh you probably know that it's pretty good but to speak a little bit more to the score and actually 
early on in my career, I would say I, I was definitely a little bit like, I don't know how I feel about the scoring, but as I've uh, progressed and as I use it more and more as a tool, it is a very useful way to communicate quality to whether it be producers or importers or, um, you know, as a coffee trader, I'm not a coffee trader, but a coffee trader selling me coffee. It's sort of a universal way to understand quality of coffee. And so when I get a coffee sample, um, I receive a sample and uh, whether it be um, a new coffee we're looking for or a coffee we've got in the past, I'll sample roast it. And um, as I cup it, according to the SCA standard um, cupping sheet, uh, we'll, we'll score the coffee and then I can go back to the producer or importer with that score as well as full detailed notes around flavor profile, acidity, aftertaste, aroma, body, balance, and like my overall um, thoughts on the coffee. And to them, they're like, okay, I can understand this. And this score is actually very close to how we've scored it. So we're sort of on the same page of where this coffee is. And furthermore, these scores can help um, uh, like better also understand how much you're paying for coffee, you know, and um, there's a lot of factors that go into the cost of coffee, but quality being a really big part of it. So that's some thoughts on the scoring system on that side of things where it is a really useful tool to be able to communicate with people that maybe are in different countries or different areas of the country. So it kind of goes back to our conversations previously about creating a vocabulary for yourself around coffee, you know, tasting, but it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's creating a numerical vocabulary where obviously we're going to have our own objective and subjective tastes. We're going to have different palates, But if enough people are tasting coffees and coming up with similar results, you can generally agree that, you know, the coffee is of a certain quality or a certain level. You know, it's if we all see look at the same wall and we all see blue, then we can generally assume that wall is blue. And yeah, uh, kind of the same way with if we all score this coffee and we're all ending up within a few points of each other or a few decimal points of each other, then Mm -hmm. um, we can generally agree that it's it's good or, you know, or less valuable, less uh, quality. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, I think again, like uh, in, earlier in my coffee journey, um, I sometimes it was a little bit frustrating. You're just like, ah, oh, feels very maybe hard to use. But I've actually found, and I, I remember having conversations with other people that were kind of um, at a similar level to me, feeling the same way. And I'd actually be interested to have these convers this conversation with them now, where. Um, with more time and experience honestly it's it's a tool that you have to practice using you know it's like the the scoring system is a, a six to a 9.75 or 10 and it increments in uh, 0.25 so it's like what is good what is very good what's excellent like really being able to objectively kind of identify what that is and what that means um, and I think that takes cupping with people who are more experienced with you than you again cupping for me something I do with all the cuppings that I do is I cup blind so I don't know what the coffee is I don't know like I don't know anything other than maybe seeing the roasted bean and then the 
the sensory experience I'm having while I'm cupping. So does, does that mean someone else, does that mean someone else sets it like you're cupping up for you? So I wish in a perfect world, that would be uh, really cool. (laughs) What I do is um, as I'm weighing out all the cups, I turn everything upside down and I kind of mix them up. And then as I'm weighing them out, I like don't look. And then I put the cup back upside down or or the, the, the jar that has the sample in it upside down. It's not the perfect way to do it, but I, I, um, I do try to keep it. I'm pretty serious about it and, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to, you know, not, I'm not trying to look, (laughs) I'm trying to be as high as possible. Yeah. You're, you're not cheating the system. You're trying (laughs) to keep it as, as organic as possible within reason, which kind of leads me to my next question. Cupping assistant would be a cool job. Or yeah. in your position to be cool to have somebody in that job. I would love that. <laughs> that kind of makes me wonder. I think we all are familiar with like front of house coffee shop jobs, barista or server, or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of background and what types of jobs are available um, in on the roasting side of things. Obviously, there's roaster, the person who is doing that, but there there must be a path that gets you there. Uh, how, how does that work? How does someone get their start? And, uh, that's something that you and I talked about earlier this year when, and when I was looking at potentially being, um, a part of that. Yeah. So I'm, I think that's a great question. Cause I do think, you know, people are like, Oh, and I work in coffee. So I'll be a barista. And, you know, there's definitely, I mean, there are definitely career baristas, but, um, you know, some folks want to go and, seek out those next steps and I will say specifically at least here in California or even in San Diego it seems currently there's not a lot of businesses that are set up to support a career barista there's definitely a ceiling there but if you're trying to get into roasting there's definitely a lot of different trajectories you could take I think to speak to my own experience, I, I do believe, you know, I, I had the experience of sort of working my way up, having worked as a barista, a barista trainer, and really wanting to learn more about the supply chain and specifically learn the skill of roasting. I was able to um, get a job as an, as, as an assistant roaster. And Lofty was different then than it is now. And um, a lot of a lot of being an assistant roaster for me was calculating pars, weighing out coffee, bagging, setting up cuppings. <laughs> the way that Lofty is now, uh, I still do a lot of that stuff, even as the director of coffee. <laughs> um, that is, I think, getting your foot in the door with a small roaster and seeing gives you the ability to like grow with them. So as they grow potentially you have opportunity to grow into those roles. Another role I've seen specifically um, at Lofty um, for our junior roast, our current junior roasters is them starting in production because, and production for a roasting company can look just like I said, bagging coffee, delivering, packaging, um, cleaning (laughs) coffee equipment. And, uh, you know, lifting heavy coffee bags uh, and and um, as a pr- product or brewing cold brew, tagging cold brew. 
production is a great way in because at that point you're already working with a production roaster in the sense that maybe you're standing next to the coffee roaster as they're roasting and you're bagging the coffee and you're in close proximity to uh, the roaster itself. I think I've seen some other roasters coming from uh, import and trading companies. I've seen uh, roasters who, you know, are potentially cupping assistants or sample roasters for these import or uh, trading companies. And from there, whether they start their own business or they have that, again, that proximity to coffee itself. Um, and when you're looking for opportunities, you're like, oh, well, I've sample roast for this import company for so long. Like that's some experience and a foot in the door to pursuing roasting. There's a there's an unglamorous side to that beginning part before you get to what we all look at as the rock star, like you, uh, you know, as the head roaster, where everything's just kind of taken care of for you, and you have roast, you have people bringing you coffees all day. I'm saying that facetiously, obviously, <laughs> but there is kind of this like there's real work involved. It's you know there is. A disconnect, I think, between people who are outside the industry, whether it's coffee or beer and wine or uh, hospitality in general, where they only see kind of the glamorous side of it and the fun side of it. But there's also like this work side of it. Like in order to do this, it is a manufacturing process to some extent. And deciding where, where, what level of commitment you want to make and where your personality is uh, at that point in your life is important too. You know, you mentioned um, like barista, being a barista or being a bartender or a server requires a certain type of personality. Mm -hmm. And you can have that personality, but that could also change over time. I, I was a, a server and a bartender and, you know, I've, I've worked in the back of a restaurant. I, at the age that I am now, I don't necessarily feel as enthusiastic about that opportunity as I would have 15 years ago. And so knowing that you are, your personality might change over time and also kind of looking at your, at the trajectory of that opportunity is important. So if you are starting off as a barista, but your goal is to be a roaster, what are you doing to get to that point? And, and something you mentioned that I think is uh, really valuable is putting yourself in a position to spend time with people who are in that role. So you are learning those things, you know, just by being around them or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you are in production, you're already there. So when there's opportunities to sample roast or to practice roast, getting involved. Yeah. And I think that you bring something up, uh, Ryan, that I think is an important question to ask yourself if this is something you want to pursue is, why? <laughs> because like you said, it's I for whatever reasons, yeah, the coffee roasters are looked at as rock stars and and sometimes some coffee roasters act like them. Um, but <laughs> I I just think that it is straight up a manual labor job. <laughs> and it's tedious and it's hard work. Um and to me it's funny that you mention the roasters as a rock star and potentially that's because of how coffee shops display them in a little glass box but to me the real rock stars are the people in these producing countries who are uh really put like it's funny as uh 
um, you know, I just think it may, in the perspective of it all, I'm like, yeah, it's hard work, but there's people further, further along the chain, the chain that are doing even harder work. So it's just part of it. But asking yourself why, uh, why do you want to be a roaster? Because if it is to be a rock star, you are mistaken. <laughs> because <laughs> you're going to spend days with coffee chaff and grease up your elbows. And you're going to have days where you're lifting over 3000 pounds of coffee. And you're going to have days where you're behind the cropster computer screen and you're roasting 10 hours a day and it's monotonous and you feel like your brain's going to explode. <laughs> and this isn't to scare anyone off, but I do think, um, you know, why I love it so much and why I have continued to pursue this trajectory for myself is because I'm continuously surprised and coffee excites me and I can get obsessive about those few seconds and few degrees in those monotonously long days that you can just like dive further into and I I do it because it's a craft that I can work on every single day and feel like I've been doing this for six years and I still um, have this curiosity of hey is this correct? Am I doing this right? Uh, <laughs> can can I be better? I could be better. I just feel like I can always be better and the coffee can always taste better. And um, I just feel like it's, it's a craft that continues, continues to humble me and continues to keep me on my toes and keeps me curious and excited. So um, I think these are important questions to ask yourself if this is the way you want to go. Um, because if it is to just look cool behind a shiny machine, maybe you should 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 uh, <laughs> keep asking yourself that question. <laughs> I think the problem is, is if they listen to this show, they're hearing how passionate you are about coffee and it makes them excited about coffee, too. I hope I really do. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, listening to you talk about it makes me it actually kind of does the opposite it makes me realize that like i i want people like you to be making the coffee and i just want to drink it uh and and learn from you so i appreciate you coming and, and sharing that knowledge with us and um i'm looking forward to talking to you one more time this season and i'll see you soon thanks for having me back So let's just take a minute to talk about Coffee Review and reviews in general. Coffee Review is a professional reviewing website publication that comes out every single month, and they've been around since 1997, which means they're almost old enough to rent a car. Their rating system is based on a 100-point scale broken down into the same categories that the SCA uses in their coffee cupping scoring guides. And according to Coffee Review, they conduct blind, expert cuppings of coffees from all over the world and then provide in-depth tasting reports. They're fairly established and well-respected in the industry. And Siri is right in saying that getting a Coffee Review does cost a roaster money. The fees range from about $200 to $350 per review. 
Kenneth David's, and Ron Walter's founded Coffee Review, and nearly all of the reviews are still written by Mr. David's, along with two established tasters, one of whom is a Q grader, which we've discussed in previous Coffee Smarter episodes, is a coffee taster trained extensively in all aspects of coffee flavor. While the reviewers are well-regarded, well-respected coffee professionals, there is still the issue of subjectivity when it comes to reviews. And to their credit, Coffee Review writes extensively about that subjectivity and relativity surrounding their reviews and how they've aimed to establish a baseline for them. They even provide a guide on how to interpret reviews so that we all have an understanding of that baseline. What it comes back to is creating a language, in this case a numerical language, around coffee. And I would venture that we can acknowledge that there will be subjectivity issues with the review process, but without disregarding the value of a high score, especially considering that coffees that score low are also published. But like we said during the show, it seems unlikely that a roaster would broadcast that widely, making it more likely that we're only going to hear about the good scores. I'll link to the reviews, which are broken into categories by score, and show examples of the SCA cupping score sheet on RoastWestCoast.com. To me, the score of a coffee might make me want to try it, and I can appreciate that it's showing respect for the farmers that grew that coffee, and also for the roasters that roasted it. But it isn't why I drink a coffee, nor why I have a great experience at a cafe. For me, coffee is about community and connecting with other human beings a skill I am woefully out of practice at after a year and a half of pandemicking. It's why I made a point to say hello to the baristas and roasters I met along the way on my recent cross-country road trip, including the effervescent Katie Hendricks of Aspen Street Coffee in Fruta, Colorado. What is it that you love about this coffee shop? All right, well, my name is Katie Hendricks, and um, I manage Aspen Street Coffee in Fruita, Colorado, on the western slope of Colorado. Um, I love this coffee shop because it's haunted, first of all. There's a ghost that lives in here. He's friendly. I've got to go. So there's a ghost. There's rich history. We have original ceilings and the front door and the vault of the bank. Um, the building is at least, I think at this point, 120 years old. And everybody, as far as my lifetime, I'm 30, has known this place as a coffee shop. But it's really mostly a place to congregate. Like the locals all year come in here and you know everybody's business because it's a small <laughs> town. Um, and they are willing to share with you, trust me. You don't have to ask. And then you get to meet a lot of cool people from out of town because of the mountain biking here in the valley. People come from all over the world, literally, to camp here and to see the trail, ride the trails. So honestly, it's, it's, a, it's pretty like cosmopolitan when it comes down to it, but um, it's a good place to be. I'm from here, I grew up here. So I, I've come and gone several times, lived abroad several times and went to college, came back, and. Every year, Fruita keeps getting better and better. As you can tell, Aspen Street Coffee is a hub in what on paper should be a sleepy little town west of the foothills leading into the Rocky Mountains, but in reality is a hopping mountain biking paradise and access to some of the West's more incredible landscapes. Thanks to Katie for chatting with me for just a few moments in the middle of a busy morning in the cafe. A final Coffee Smarter note today. 
Siri brought it up while discussing why she is so passionate about her work, and I want to reinforce it. Roasting coffee is a craft, an ever-evolving craft, and something that she takes pride in and takes pride in getting better at. When you're drinking coffee from your local roaster, be it Lofty or one of our roast industry partners like Steady State or Mostra or Coffee Cycle, they're sharing something of themselves with you through the coffee they've created. Yes, there is a production aspect to coffee, but it is still people working to create something that they are proud of to share with all of us who enjoy that coffee, and that's pretty cool. That is it for today's show. Head to RoastWestCoast.com to find links to our other show partners, like Morea Coffee, Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, First Light Whiskey, Camp Coffee Company, and Cape Horn Coffee. Thank you again to Siri for being an expert on this show. Maybe we can get Netflix on board with our Coffee Smarter travel show idea if Siri is a guest star. What do you think, Netflix? Give us a call. If you want these shows sent right to your email, along with articles about coffee, photos and videos, and vocabulary, make sure you sign up for the newsletter and or a subscription at roastwestcoast.com. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee.